Greetings everybody, it's a great blessing for me to come to you today and just to bring you the gospel of God's grace, just the message of his love for us. Today's message is just going to be an encouragement and I want to encourage people. I see that a lot of people are going through difficult times and if you look at the news and circumstances around us, many people can be afraid and so forth. And I want to just encourage you and in the light of what God has come to do through the church and just bring to the focus again who you are and what God has planned for you. Let us just pray together as we start this service. Father, I want to thank you for your grace and your kindness and your goodness. Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak powerfully through me. You are the spirit of life. Thank you that I will speak words that will be of true encouragement to people. That they will know your love and your goodness. That they will know the power of your resurrection. Thank you for your goodness, Lord, and speaking powerfully through me today. Amen. Amen. I want to start off by just telling you that as the church of Jesus Christ, uh, you are the only thing on this earth at the moment that is eternal. At this moment, this earth will become eternal through the glorification of the church in the last day. We need to understand that we are the body of Christ. And in order for you to, or for the church to stop in this earth and not to be in this earth, it would, God would have to stop to exist. That is how eternal the church is. When we look at this world and what is going on in this world, when we look at politics and we look at what's going on in universities and the idea that people have about Christianity, if we look at Europe, South Africa, the whole tendency is to move away from Christianity and to do things in your own power and in your own strength. And a mockery is made out of Christianity. We are seen as the weak people. We are seen as the people that are unenlightened and so forth. But let me tell you this. It does not matter what any person says. It doesn't matter what any person says. What God has promised has already started to come into fulfillment. We can see Old Testament prophecies already being fulfilled. It has been fulfilled. I mean, Jesus prophesied the, the end of the temple and it happened that way. We find the outpouring of the Spirit. We find the historic event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find God keeping his word and giving birth to what is called the body of the Christ which is the church. So if we are the body of Christ, what power does anything have to end us? It is impossible. We don't need any political party to fight for us. We don't need anybody or anything to try and help us. All we need is the power of the resurrection, which we have from where we possess life today. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the most robust, and forgive me for using the word thing here, uh, is the most robust entity, if you want to call it, or thing in this world. The church of Jesus Christ partakes in the life of God, which has no beginning and has no end. And believing the gospel for what it truly is, is a message wherein we are saying that everything 
that or this truth is directed to us bodily the problem that we have in the church is that we have spiritual uh, spiritualized everything we have defined um, who we are as humans as spirits and therefore we have no answer for this world or we believe that there is no answer for this world because uh, it looks as if this world can fall apart it looks as if so many things can go wrong and we're not going to have life but I want to encourage you and I want to say to you that everything you see in this world every bit of physical thing that is in this world all matter has been created because of the promise that God has towards us and that we need to understand that we need to have in our mind so as an introduction I want to encourage you and I want to say to you church we don't have to worry about how things look in this world there were times where things didn't look good for the church but here the church is today we can find that even in the church there are a lot of people that has got wrong understandings of God wrong understandings of who they are uh, a wrong uh, ontology all those kind of things not understanding who we are what the true salvation message truly is but we find that there are people that have lives that is born from God born from the Spirit and understanding can come their way and is coming our way through the spirit of jesus christ the spirit of god that has been poured out on us we need to understand that you know if we look at the bible i want to just mention this second point i want to make here if we look at the bible this bible i think it was in the 14 1500s it was for the first time printed translated and printed that people can get it and read it at home that means for 1,500 years after Jesus, there was not a Bible just in people's homes, but the church was still there. The early church didn't have any form of writing to read. We find that the letters were written to some of the churches, but Paul didn't write to all the churches. I'm sure there were churches that were started and they had a preacher and from the day that the people got saved and started to gather until the preacher passed away and the next preacher came and for a long time they never read any document in that church. They gathered around a simple message and they had what was called oral traditions and traditions wherein they through certain rituals we want to call it like that where they would come together and say creeds out loud and so forth were keeping in memory that Jesus died was buried and that he was raised and seen by the apostles that was what they carried they didn't have a lot of knowledge about the jews especially the gentiles they didn't have a lot of knowledge about the jews and their culture and their feasts they had none of that all they had was a simple message god created the heavens and the earth god made man i i, I think many of them didn't know anything about adam and eve or any of that they just knew that god made the heavens and the earth god made man and that Jesus came, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Although they didn't have the scriptures, they knew that there were Jewish scriptures. And according to those scriptures prophetically, this Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was buried 
and the emphasis and when they would say 1 Corinthians 15's creed, which we will read, when they would say it up and when they would say it together, memorizing and thinking of what the gospel is, they would say that he was, he died, he was buried, showing to the physicality of his burial and then they would say and he was raised from the dead the focus on the physical resurrection and then he was seen by the apostles that is what they that was one of their creeds that is what they what they would recite in the church and that was basically what they had. There were some other creeds and stuff that they were not creeds, other um, songs they would sing, which wherein the gospel was. I mean, when they sang songs, it wasn't like, I don't believe it was like what we have today, where we sing about how much he loves us and those kind of things. I think what they, when they had songs, the songs was in the form of psalms, which they would sing, where they would sing the prophetic words about Jesus and the fulfillment and so forth, which was a reminder of what was truly going on. And as the church was continuing, the scriptures was formulated and put together the writings of, you must remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John was written from 50, um, 50 AD up until 90 to 100 AD. That's when it was written. It was the earliest documents was written 20, 30 years after after the uh, resurrection, it was written, but the church continued. And then those letters was not put forth in a canon. It was not a, a book that the church had. Yet the church continued. Yet the church is still alive. Yet the church was powerfully spreading. Meaning that they had life without the Bible. Now, I'm not, I don't want to play down the Bible. I mean, I read this book every day. Um, I and not just read, but study this and know the importance of this. And today we will be preaching from this. I absolutely believe in that. But I want to say to you, there is something more powerful to you and about you and about the church than it's much more powerful than this book and the ability to accurately translate every word to have inerrancy or any of those kind of things. The, there's something greater. It is called, and he is called, Jesus, the Christ. What gives us um, life is the fact that Jesus is alive. Not our memor memorization of scriptures or any of those things. I think it is very good, should we do it in the light of knowing what, I am, what I'm saying to you now. Um, when we do that, we, we, it, it encourages us. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the early church and the church, I mean, for many, for hundreds of years, didn't have an official canon, official New Testament, when they would know these books are in and those are out. I think the first official, not, not just some uh, uh, Catholic bishop that said, let's use this, but the first official canon that was presented was in 832 or something like that 800 years not even having an official bible what about a bible in the house but yet the church continued how did they continue they simply had a, this message jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures he was buried and he was bodily raised from where we are knowing that he is the Lord of this world and we are expecting this deification of ourselves wherein we will also see the fullness of God bodily. 
That is all. And that was enough. That was enough for the early church to stand against the mighty Rome and all of its politics and oppression and everything. That was enough for people to know to be martyrs. That was enough. It couldn't stop. That was all they needed. And I want to encourage you with this church. What all you need to know to have a successful life in this world, and then I want to define success according to what God's dream for humanity is, is you need to know that Jesus died, that he was buried, and that he was bodily raised, and that he was bodily, that he was seen in his body by the apostles. And take that and make that the emphasis or the focus point or the pivotal point or the lens, if you want to call it like that, through which you look at this world and everything. Let that be your hermeneutic. Let that be the foundation from where you interpret everything. Let that be the foundation from where you hope. Glory to God. And as it's that, you will find that you don't need, the, and, and I said it this morning when I preached to our local church here, we don't need in our world, we, we pray for it and we want political stability, but we don't need it in order for the church to flourish. We don't need it in order to have a successful life. We don't need to be an answer to the problems of our countries by trying to bring peace and stability. Our job, if you want to call it a job, as the church, is to be a light unto the world. And what is the light? The Bible says that Jesus Christ in his bodily resurrection is the light of life. We bring light to people and the enlightenment is that there is a man that was raised from the dead through whom we will have life and eternal life. Where in the church, the people who believe upon him will now in this day find a life born from the spirit of God. And the spirit of God is defined in our lives um, and, and manifesting our lives as love, peace, and joy, and those kind of things. And that is true for rich and poor. That is true for people that are bound in communism or liberals or wh wh whatever party or, or country you want to mention it in. This is true. Christianity is not having less of life in communist China than what it has in South Africa or in Europe or in America, where there's democracy. Christianity is not measured by democracy. Christianity is not measured by capitalism or communism. You cannot put a lid on this. Christianity and what it's about is people that have a life that is born from the resurrected Jesus Christ, from where we experience the first fruit of this inaugurated kingdom on the, which is ruling over the earth and bringing forth his life and permeating people with the power of the Holy Spirit and putting it inside their hearts of which the end goal is to give eternal existence to humans as well as through those humans when they are glorified unto the cosmos. That is what we as Christians are supposed to be busy with. That is the, 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 um, the, where all the power and where life lies. To have our focus on that. 
from there, as we believe upon that, we wake up in the morning and we follow what God has put in our hearts. We go to our job, we do our work, we do our business and those kind of things. And if it should work out that there are things in this world that does not work out according to what we think it should work out, what do we do? We believe this message and follow what God puts in our heart. That is all. We cannot have our life born from the from the things of this world church we need to understand and like i said today's message is just going to be an encouragement we need to understand that we are in this world and but we are not of this world and i want to explain that so many times we think that we are not in this world we are of the uh, we are in this world, but we're not of this world, meaning that God has sent us from heaven. No, God has not sent us from a place, a physical place called heaven. And now we've been incarnated into bodies and now we live here. And for some reason, God is doing something here to take our body, uh, to take our spirits again back to heaven somewhere. That is a, this new age kind of stuff. And was also in Jesus time, some sects that believe that kind of rubbish. The, the, the thing that God has done is, he has brought forth people in this world which were made from the dust of this world and this earth and he has then given them life. This life that we have is not of this world. It is of the it's of heaven. The life we have, the source of life we have is from the resurrected Jesus Christ. That is where we are from. So we're not of this world, although we are in this world, and although our bodies was made from the dust of this world, we, our life source is not of this world, although we are in this world. And the people group, if you want to call it like that, that will remain in this world is the church. It is the church. The Bible says that the righteous shall inherit the earth. <laughs> if the righteous shall inherit the earth, it means that the cosmos, the church, everything uh, the cosmos, the world, the, the earth, every physical thing that is there has been made for the church. That's what it's been made for. It's been made for the church. By that I'm not saying you can go to somebody's house and claim like some Christians did. Oh my goodness, they went to somebody's house and say, this house is mine because all things belong to the church. Listen, even if you don't have a house, this earth belongs to the church in this sense that God will make humans immortal and then through humans the earth will also share in that glory of eternal existence and so we will live with God in this earth. Now I want to encourage you. What I'm saying to you now is worlds apart from what any um, political party can ever offer. No political party, no political system can ever offer you what I'm talking about. We cannot have our lives formed and shaped by the things of this world or of this world, for we are not of this world. And I think it's time that we, as the church, started just take 1 Corinthians 15 and just read it aloud every day in our house and let our families gather around and um, just say, let us read 1 Corinthians 15 and let me read it to you. And have our minds again back into what the gospel of Jesus Christ is and what this is all about. 1 Corinthians 15, 
Paul said, for it was deliver, uh, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which, was all, which I also received. Now this is the creed. This is what they repeated in the church regularly, what they would say aloud. They said, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas and then also of the twelve. That was the gospel. The gospel was that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and that we are now having this deification wherein we as humans have received the spirit from where we will share in the very life of God bodily. Church, I don't know how I can emphasize this more. And um, I want to say this. Let this not frustrate you, but let this become the lens through which you see everything. Should we take away the physicality of the resurrection of Jesus and have our definition in anything else but the... Uh, how can I say it? The deification would be the, the, the right word. Making godly of the physical body wherein we have eternal life. If we take that away from our understanding of the gospel, we will be hopeless in this world. We will be hanging on the politician's lips. We'll be hanging on the news, trying to find our life in that. You can, I mean, I watch the news. I see those things. People send me things every day. <laughs> what? this person said what that person said and i live in this world and i deal with that in this world not as a stump thing over which i stumble but from the perspective of this is just what people say this is again man's effort to try and bring some form of life to people but they have no idea science has got no idea uh, 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 politicians has got no idea on how to bring immortality to human bodies bringing eternal existence to humans they've got no idea there's only one being that has ever accomplished that and that is god in raising jesus from the dead and that is the answer to the world's problems i cannot have my life and we should not have our life directed towards just the few years we live on this earth um, or the few years we will be alive in this earth we should say god has got a greater plan he had a dream for humanity from the beginning created all physicality for the purpose that this everything that's physical the whole cosmos would belong to the church god's plan was to bring this into a glorification and into a, uh, a eternal existence to the point that god himself can make his home inside the physical world wherein we would share with God in his life and live together with God in the physical world. That is the gospel. What the church knows today is worlds apart from what I'm sharing with you. But this is what will keep us strong in this world where we would say what God has dreamt for us is so far beyond the reach of human ability that we can only trust in him i rest in him i rest in the fact that we look at the church the church didn't even have a bible for about a thousand a proper bible people in their houses didn't have a proper bible 
for about a thousand something years. I mean, that's when the press was made, when people started to get the Bible, where you could buy a Bible and have one for yourself and read for yourself. Yet the church existed. In Africa and many places in the world, there are churches running and growing, experiencing the power of God in the church, and the preacher cannot even read. What I'm saying is, is that there is something eternal about me and you and the church in this world that nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. And we don't have to try and save the church. The church cannot be stopped. It is eternal. It is forever physically in this world. There's an erroneous message that is preached that God will take the church away from the world in some form of a rapture or something like that and that this world is just going to die and then, uh, you know, we will forever be with God in heaven. That is nonsense. That is nonsense. What God has come, and we need to know this church, we as believers in the church, uh, uh, in this earth, as a share in the eternal life of God. And you might say, but Bertie, what if I die? Even if I die, because I'm a possessor of eternal life, I shall be raised from the dead, and God himself in Christ will return to this earth, and this will be the abode of Almighty God. You will not find God in heaven if, well, you know, we can explain that, but just for simplicity, you will not find God in heaven. Because heaven would have come to earth and the abode of God will be with man. That was his dream from the beginning. Let me read John 1. John chapter 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why, why would John write and start his letter you know some people say who how do you know that john wrote this uh, matthew how do you know matthew wrote matthew well it was by tradition put over that way and that is what we believe it's by tradition but what if what if john was written by someone else who cares <laughs> i don't care if john was written by some lady somewhere or some other guy i don't care what i care about is what is written there in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Why would he use the word Word? In the beginning was the Logos. That word Logos is best translated to me not as an eternal mind. We can do it that way as uh, John Lennox does it. But I would say the easiest way to understand what John is trying to say here is in the beginning there was a message. That means the eternal God, in the beginning, he had a message which is translated by, the, by, by John in 1 John as a prophetic word of eternal life. So what it means is that in the beginning, this is where God wants us to know where the beginning is. In the beginning, God had a promise to us of eternal life. That's what he promised. And then it says that this was with God in the beginning. That means this dream that God has was with him. It was God's dream. 
And God's dream here, it says here, was God himself. So what I believe John was saying from the beginning is that God, he wants us to know in the beginning, this is where we want, this is where we must know everything start as humans. Where we began is in God making a promise that he will give himself fully to us in each one of our bodies so that we can share in the fullness of God. Where we can know what it feels like to become the, the theost, God himself. Having the fullness of God bodily because of God. That is what God has dreamt. And then the Bible says, everything, to you read on, that was made in this world was made by this word. It's like if I have a dream, let me put it this way. It's like me going to my son and say to him, you know, in the beginning, uh, your mom and I, listen to this, in the beginning, your mom and I, we had a dream that you would be born and that you would have a good business. Let's put it that way. And everything that was made, and then let's say you walk through your property or your business, and you say everything that you see here was made by that dream that we've had in the beginning. That dream materialized, and by that dream, or that message, or what we decided we want to give to you, everything you see is here. By that we understand that everything that is made in this world now, was made by the promise of God, which is also called the person of Jesus. Now, I don't want to expound on that. I just want to want you just to get this part of it. God wants us to know that everything started with him promising us eternal life. And then from the idea that he had on how we would share in his life, the cosmos was made. So church, when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, when you get into your car and you feel physical things, when you see people, when whatever you experience as pertaining to matter, all of it exists because God has dreamt that you would share in his eternal life. Now, if we look at the magnitude of the cosmos, how can we, after Christ has come, entered this cosmos, conquered death in this cosmos, and has now already poured out the Holy Spirit from, from where this cosmos would be born into eternal existence, sharing in the fullness of God. How can we care? How can we doubt if somebody robs an Amazon van, in looting, uh, breaking something. How can we, if some political parties come and have ideologies that is what, according to us, not life-giving, and they're pushing for that, how can, how can that bother us in the sense of where we get fear in our hearts? What we have is so overwhelmingly greater than the little sparks of threats that there is against the life of God. That it is so minute that it cannot even be considered 
in the magnitude of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's just nothing. Like Psalm 2 says, it is God sits in heaven and they have planned, the, the kings of this world have planned to rise up against God and his Christ. But God in heaven laughs. He's laughing. He's saying that as pertaining to them ending and stopping what I've dreamt and planned, I can just laugh at them. I'm the eternal, immortal God who whose son was and is and is to come and manifest in this world fully. And how can what I have made people stop me? It is impossible. It cannot be done. We are the body of Christ. The word by which we, we are here is the message of God's promise of eternal life. Let me give you an example. God, when he, he, he spoke to Abraham, why did he choose Abraham? It was not because Abraham was full of faith or anything. God came to Abraham while he was not worshipping God. What made God pick Abraham, I believe, was the fact that he couldn't have children and that he was actually dead in himself. Because the word with Abraham was this. That even if you are dead, I can bring forth life for you and I can give you eternal life. That was the word. So God need, needed somebody who could not have life so that he can bring the message of life forth in that person. He brought that forth in Abraham. Then he went and he spoke to Israel and he said to Israel, I want you to be a light unto the Gentiles. And he prophesied that the, Gen the Jews or Israel shall be a light unto the Gentiles. And we find that Israel was not successful in being a light unto the Gentiles. But God said that Israel will be a light unto the Gentiles. And then, even if all of Israel was disobedient, he found one Israelite that was a light unto the Gentiles, and it was Jesus. And should you... Uh, critically have looked at Israel, you would say God's promise is not coming true. There's not one in Israel that's a light unto the Gentiles. Look at what is going on. They are darkness themselves. And then you find when you think everything is gone, it is, there's nothing left. It's 70 years before the destruction of, of Jerusalem. One faithful Israelite called the servant of God rose up, born of a virgin, and he is a light unto the nations. And as everybody was thinking, this can never be true, your God, through one man, an Israelite, showed his promise. And it became true. And the house of God is now called a house of prayer by all nations. And he came and he raised this man from the dead. And he loved the world so much that he gave the resurrected Jesus unto people that we can share in this life of God. Church, don't ever measure victory. Don't ever measure success by stupid things in this world. We cannot measure the success of what God attains in this world by how much money we have. In, let's use South Africa. 
You know, our president came up. We thought that they're going to announce phase two of the lockdown. We're now in phase three. We thought they're going to announce phase two, but then they announced phase two in um, load shedding, which means load shedding simply means that we're not having electricity. We're now on phase two of not having proper electricity. So we've got the lockdown, and as they ease up on the lockdown, the electricity grid cannot carry what's supposed to be there, and now we're running out of electricity in South Africa. Now, should we measure success by if we have electricity or not? If there are people and should we measure the success of what god is doing in the church by if a country has electricity or not if a country is in, in communism or not should we measure it by that no should our peace and our joy be measured by those things no because what has been promised us is so much greater that it would be uh, uh just an absolute foolishness to measure the work of God by electricity, roads, streets, education, and all of those things. But we need to have proper education. Yeah, I agree with proper education, but church, let us not make education the measure by which we measure the blessing of God. You know, I'm very grateful. My son, when he went and studied, um, I believe that it was by God that he got a sponsorship to go and study and everything was paid for him but let me put it this way if he didn't get that it would not have been a measure whereby i would say well god did not answer my prayer or whatever the only way where i measure if prayer is successful and my relationship with god is successful is in if i should rise from the dead in the day jesus christ come back that is all and as I believe that, I find peace in my heart now. When we read in Acts 12, just, just listen to this. And I want to just, because you look at your country, your country might be falling apart worse than ever before. And now our hope is in presidents and in those kind of things. Church, be encouraged. Be encouraged. There is no president. I want to say this, be encouraged. There is no president that can bring to you what God has promised you. Know that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every political party that offers you peace and joy stands up as a competition to God. Peace is only found in Christ. Why do we in the Bible don't read anything about how, you know, the church was involved in the political parties and all those kind of things? Do you know why we don't read of that? Because it is not unto life. It's because they did not find their life in those things. They found their life in believing in Jesus. And I want to encourage you, church, believe in Jesus. And you might say, but things doesn't seem to work out. I want to just show you this is, this is in Acts 12 from verse 1. It says, now about that time, Herod, the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now, the church is praying all the time. Thank you for protection. Thank you for this and that and whatever. And here you find James being killed. If you read on in the very same chapter, you find Peter was in jail. And Herod wanted to kill Peter. But the angel came. 
and took Peter out of jail. Now, how do you explain that? Here we find an answered prayer, as we would see answered prayer, for Peter, and we find James died. Now, how do we reconcile those things? This is how you reconcile it. You can only look at the success of God's work in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and in the last day. That is all. There we will find that these people will rise up and what God has promised for man from the beginning and everything was created around that model of bringing that life to this world. These people will rise up and we will see the fullness of God manifesting bodily as God lives with them. They believed even until the end. Even Peter was also killed later on. James was killed. All the apostles were, were martyrs. I think it's just John that, um, that, that, that died a natural death. Some say, some say he was also killed. I want to encourage you, church. This is my encouragement to you. We, as the church, we are the body of the Christ. As Christ cannot die, you cannot die. You cannot cease to exist in this earth. Even if you die, you shall be raised in this earth. And as you get raised through you by the power of the Holy Spirit, this whole cosmos will share in the eternal life of God and so God will forever dwell with his people and it cannot be stopped. It is a fire that was kindled that cannot stop. You cannot stop the fire that God has kindled in the resurrection, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the tongues of fire was on people and fire started to burn in this world and it will consume all death. It will consume everything. To the point that we only find our life in the resurrected Jesus Christ. John 1, in the beginning was the word. What word? The promise of eternal life to us. And by that word, which became flesh and was a person, and is a person today, a human being today, everything was made that was made. In the word of eternal life was life that gave life to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve became alive because of the promise of eternal life to man. By that promise we find that God spoke to the prophets of old. And he told them about the coming of the Messiah. And through that word of promise, Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of God now from where God speaks to us today. Hallelujah. Oh, let us, before I go to, this, before I go to Galatians 5, let us just run to Ephesians 1. You might say, Bertie, you're talking like a, a person that just believe that everything is just found in Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. My one son is now finishing his master's degree in engineering. My other son did not go and study. My third son, it also looks as if he's not going to go and study. Just going to start their own businesses. Should I now find my identity in if they've studied or not? Should they find their identity if they study or not? I said to my, I, I said to my oldest son yesterday, I said to him, son, doesn't matter what country you live, we're thinking of where he's going to work one day and whatever. I said, I don't care in what country you live, 
But this thing makes sure that you believe the gospel, your wife believes the gospel, and you, excuse the words, but this is what I'm going to use, you indoctrinate your children with a gospel of God's grace to the point that neither you, your wife, or your kids can ever not believe it. And then that is living in the success of God. That's it. Doesn't care, I don't care where you work, how much money you have, or any of those things. This is the source from where all life flows. And then from there, we find in our heart what we want to do every day, and we just do it. And that puts God in the driver's seat and we sharing in the life of God. I've had that in my ministry. Now there was time, and I, next week I will start to preach on that, on prayer. A time in my life where I struggled with, with prayer, you know, where I, you, you pray for certain things and you see some of it happen, other things don't happen. You, you don't know what's really going on. To the point that I felt that it's difficult to pray for specific things because you don't want to be confronted with what if the prayer is not answered. And then I just basically came to a place where I say, God, I just know you've got me. And um, I'm not trying to beg down things from heaven specifically. I don't say that well, we will still preach about this. But I'm just going to say you've got me and I'm just going to follow what's in my heart. And I found peace. <laughs> I found hallelujah. I don't have to answer when things go bad. And I don't have to try and answer when things go good. I just live the life. I'm just having the life that God has for me. And I, I'm experiencing the joy of Jesus. I'm not trying to create a new country through confessing. It's God's job. And I believe in the resurrection. And I believe today I have the Spirit of God and I live by that Spirit. Tomorrow I might be a martyr. Who knows? But one thing I do know, it's like Paul says, he says, I will be delivered by your prayers. This is what he says, I'll be delivered by your prayers, be it by, through life or death. I'll be delivered, listen to this, by your prayers, be it through life or death. This man, Paul, had a vision of who he was, who the church was, and how things will work out in the end, which was greater than what we would have in our typical South African dream or the American dream or those kind of things. Hallelujah. The person that had the greatest influence in the world ever is Jesus. It is Jesus. No nation ever had an influence in the world as Jesus has. Everything good every nation or every person ever did in this world that will last forever was because of Jesus doing it through him. That's how it works. So we can now sit back and we can get to a place. Let me see how long have I preached. We can get back and we can sit back and say, we are not saved by our works, but we are saved by the resurrected Jesus. Ephesians 1, 9, 1 I, let me just read the last verses here.
Let's read from verse 19. And what is the, I want you to know what is the exceeding greatness of the power, of his power towards us. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and powers and might. Jesus is not influenced by some power or principality or political power or nothing. He's not influenced by that. He's far above every name that can be named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And listen to this. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So Jesus, who is the head over all things, are given unto the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So what was given unto us? Oh my goodness, it has died. I think the camera went. Sorry about that, my camera just went off there. I hope it doesn't happen again there. Um, no, it's still recording. Jesus was given unto us. The fullness of the church is, or the fullness of God is given unto the church. We cannot find our fullness in anything else but Christ that's given unto us. Let us believe that. Let us teach that to our children, to our grandchildren. This is the truth from where life comes. Glory to God. We've come to the end of our service. I want you to know that you are deeply loved by God. You are cared for by Him. Have your focus on Jesus. Let us know we, let us not be caught into the yoke of bondage again. We've been set free with a liberty that is a freedom from death, which is in the resurrected Jesus, which is towards us, even in our bodies. You are deeply loved by God. And your future is secure. As what James's future that was martyred was secure and is secure. As Peter's future is secure, so is yours. And in this world, we are waiting for the resurrection of Jesus by having a life now that is born from the Holy Spirit. That is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, all those things. Peace, knowing that we are cared for even tomorrow. Hallelujah. Let us pray together. Father, I want to thank you that I can just stretch forth my hand towards this camera. And this is just a sign of you laying your hand your work, your doing on the lives of every person. And thank you that they are experiencing your life now. They would be greatly encouraged by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, having their eyes focused on the truth. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to serve you with this message. And then I will see you again in this week. God bless.